Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It is so great to be with you on this Thursday. What a show ahead of us before we dive into it. As I mentioned earlier in the week, I will be off tomorrow and Monday. And I have been seeing some reporting recently that indicates Trump could be indicted once again in that time frame, which will be really upsetting if the vacation I'm taking ends up falling over when he's indicted. If it does happen, I'll try to make a little on-the-go video talking about it because that's just too big of a deal not to discuss. And then I also know people on this show are going to ask why I'm not discussing the UAP hearings. It's so interesting, so, so interesting. Because it's political commentary, I try to choose stories that I have something to say about, and I don't. It's just kind of, whoa, hmm, interesting. And we have to wait for uh, that to kind of play out, actual evidence to be materialized and all that. So very interesting stuff, and we'll discuss it maybe at some point in the future. With that being said, let's dive into today's show. The governor of West Virginia and now senatorial candidate in West Virginia, Jim Justice, has endorsed Donald Trump. And this is starting to give a little bit of an indication of what this race will look like as he attempts to associate clearly with Donald Trump, which is not shocking as someone running for Senate in West Virginia. But of course, he's running against Joe Manchin. So how this will play a role in that race, which could be a huge decider and who ends up uh, having a majority in the U.S. Senate. Definitely important and fascinating. And we'll walk through his very strange rambling endorsement of Trump, where he says a lot of the normal talking points, but doesn't exactly deliver it effectively. Uh, and I'll respond to the points that he makes. But first here from the Hill, Jim Justice endorses Trump. West Virginia Governor Jim Justice endorsed former President Trump for the Republican nomination for president in 2024 on Monday. Justice is a two-term governor and a candidate for the Senate seat currently held by Senator Joe Manchin. Early polling has shown him uh, with a large lead over Manchin in a hypothetical matchup between the two. And this is uh, one of those realities that we deal with in American politics where Joe Manchin is not someone that I like a lot and a lot of his policies and a lot of the rhetoric he puts out there bothers me but he's better than jim justice and so we're hoping that he'll be able to win in this race even though he is a very conservative democrat for sure unfortunately and then you also have representative alex mooney running in the primary but it seems jim justice is poised to be able to comfortably win a primary uh, for that Senate race on the GOP side. And right now, those hypothetical poll numbers, which could change, are showing him with a pretty good ability to win, which is not good. But then here is, again, his attempt to publicly associate himself as the 2024 race on the presidential side moves forward. His Senate race, he wants people to know that he is behind Donald Trump and not someone else like DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, etc. So here's this from a recent interview. I don't think it could ever become reality. Surely to goodness, Americans understand, you know, loud and clear the leadership, whether you like him or didn't like him, that came from President Trump. And I don't understand when people say that. Whether you like him or not, he was a good leader. No. Part of the reason I don't like him is because he was a bad leader. The successes that happened, you know, when he was our president versus what we have today, I mean, what we have today is just, I mean, uh, you know what it is, Dave. I mean, for God's sakes, a living. <laughs> he will get to more specifics, but so far, 
what we have today, you know what we have today, <laughs> and then whatever that turn of phrase was that he used. Right. Do you mean the stunning economic recovery after a devastating economic downturn that was caused by a pandemic that Trump mishandled and then Biden came into office and saw an economic recovery that was more fast and efficient than other comparable economies and we're experiencing less inflation now than other comparable economies and job growth is historic and unemployment's historically low or are you talking about the largest investment in infrastructure since the eisenhower highway program or the lowering of pres uh, prescription drug costs or what is he talking about with saying everything's horrible today with biden i mean you know if president biden were my father i would not allow him there was no way that i could allow him to embarrass himself and continue on in this job. There's no way. I mean, President Biden is really challenged and it's sad. And, you know, others are pulling the strings in every way. But anything we touch almost is becoming toxic, whether it be Afghanistan, the border, all the different things, energy, on and on and on, inflation, just one thing right after another. Okay, so let's go through those. He said Afghanistan, while absolutely there were horrible aspects of that moment the decision to pull out of afghanistan actually following through with that as biden did other presidents didn't was a correct decision on his part and definitely it could have gone better absolutely but it also has to be recognized pulling out of a 20-year war is not necessarily going to be smooth no uh, matter how it goes and then he said something about the border we've gone through the border so extensively and actually right now he's saying that within the context of a rapid drop in border crossings as of recently and then he said let's see energy all the talking points about biden crushing the oil industry or whatever didn't come true and we're actually on track right now to have record oil production which isn't at least if you care about the environment necessarily the direction we want to be going but it definitely contradicts the narrative we've heard from the gop and biden has made historic investments in green energy and there are so many benefits with the inflation reduction act on that front and inflation as i said we're experiencing a more rapid drop in inflation than other comparable economies just one thing right after another whether it be crime or woke in schools or i mean it is everything we touch turns to do and then there's people that don't like President Trump's personality. Well, there's people that don't like my personality. But with all that being said, I think that President Trump will be the nominee, and I think he'll be our next president, and I'm very hopeful of that. Okay, and on those last things, woke in schools, crime, they never address the fact that in the red states that are run by red governments, disproportionately crime is worse, and I don't know what to say about the woke in schools give me a specific example of what you're talking about and then maybe we can have a discussion there so a rambling endorsement and not exactly inspiring riveting but it is notable he is identifying his campaign as one that is supportive of trump's presidential campaign and we'll see how that race plays out and it's a, uh, definitely an important one Okay, I have a segment here for you of Marjorie Taylor Greene, and the second clip I want to show you is the most vile, and it's not lighthearted whatsoever, and so we'll get to that second. We'll start with the lighthearted clip. Now, everything from Marjorie Greene, the dishonesty that she's spewing, the narratives that she tries to um, push is enraging, but again, I always say I try to take a lighthearted approach to some of these stories just so we can stay sane. So we'll start with this, a little bit more lighthearted her 
saying a statement that made absolutely no sense to me on the House floor, then we'll get to her promoting a dangerous conspiracy theory. This type of funding, $86 million, again, should not go towards educating people about gender and gender bias, educating people about their skin color, educating people about how they un think unconsciously without knowing how they think. These are- Whoa. <laughs> Bomb dropped. The type of woke ideologies that divide and separate Americans and veterans could care less about. They- this- we will listen to that again so that we can try to absorb what on earth she's saying. But let me read this quote to you. This type of funding should not go to. And then she gets to saying educating people about how they think. How, sorry, let me say that again. Educating people about how they unthink unconsciously without knowing how they think. If, if that's not philosophy, I don't know what it is. Let me just be honest one more time. This type of funding, $86 million, again, should not go towards educating people about gender and gender bias, educating people about their skin color. God forbid you educate people about gender and race. Educating people about how they un think unconsciously without knowing how they think. Wow. These are the type of woke ideologies that divide and separate Americans and veterans could care less about. I've said this before, but... Sometimes whenever statements like that are made, you have that moment as a listener where you go, okay, between the speaker and me, the listener, someone's dumb in this conversation and it ain't me <laughs> because I don't know what on earth is being talked about there. So let's not unconsciously unthink the unlearning of the untopic we're talking about. Now we get to something not fun at all. She is now doubling down on the conspiracy theory that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been, well, he was caught for perpetuating during a dinner that COVID-19 was. He was thinking, just speculating about it, could have been engineered to target people by race. He has since said, that's not what I was trying to say. I was talking about ethnically targeted, targeted bioweapons separately. And then we got to COVID-19 and I was saying it disproportionately uh, hits people. I wasn't actually trying to make a link there. Okay. We'll look at the clip again of him in a second. But Marjorie Green is now going even further than him and saying, yeah, that's what we should be talking about. I'm going to proudly perpetuate this conspiracy theory. When again, RFK Jr. has backed off of this since he said it during that dinner. But here's Marjorie Green during a recent interview. You have the weaponization committee on uh, all the Democrats are outraged at, at Bobby Kennedy because he's talking about the very real possibility that COVID-19 could have been engineered to target people by race. And so the Democrats are trying to censor him. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, just uh, just maybe an hour ago, was trying to completely shut him down and censor his speech. You this is your typical conspiracy theorist talk of it could using that term. There's a possibility it could because you're not actually providing any weight to those terms or saying you have any evidence of the things you're saying you're just saying there is a possibility just like there's a possibility of anything in any situation ever hypothetically that you could concoct but i'm not logical enough to only float these theories float these ideas if i'm providing the proper evidence along with them and we don't have evidence that COVID-19, that there's a very real possibility, as she said, that COVID-19 is being engineered to target 
people by race and the implications of pushing those types of lies are very real and very detrimental. Here was the moment that she is now resonating with from Bobby Kennedy Jr. COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and, uh, and, uh, and uh, black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and, uh, and Chinese. That kind of denial and deflection showing up over and over in the... And she's talking about what we discussed with that RFK Jr. hearing where he would get posed to him, hey, you have said this before in the past. And he would go, no, I didn't. You're lying. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. We have the videos. Now, he has since said, that's not what I was trying to say. I wasn't trying to say that it was purposefully engineered, but just maybe it happens to target races differently. And all of it is really uh, detached from the facts because that was obviously what he was alluding to if you watch the full clip as we've gone over multiple times in the past he starts by saying bioweapons specifically targeted by race then instantly goes oh and covid also targets by race or it could and so that is what he was alluding to is the point that he was making there and now he realizes how absurd it sounds and is backing off of it but marjorie green she's not backing off and she thinks there's a very real possibility this is just really concerning. Mitch McConnell, you may have heard already, had this moment during a recent press conference that is clearly some sort of health event uh, going on. And he's speaking and then he just stops speaking and just blankly stares. And I'll show this to you and then we'll, we'll discuss. cooperation and a string of... Uh... So for our podcast listeners right now, he's just blankly staring as he was in the middle of a sentence. Okay, Mitch. Anything else you want to say? I'm sure let's go back to your Do you want to say anything else to the press? And then people are walking up and saying, do you want to go? you want to say anything else? And then he's getting walked away. Let's go back to you. Go ahead, John. So the only reason is, uh, I should say, the reason this is relevant and important to talk about is because someone with his power, it's notable when something like that happens because it points to possibly an underlying issue that needs to be addressed and there's just a lack of transparency right now concerning that moment i'll show you him getting asked about it later on when he returned to the press conference but all of the sympathy in the world even though mitch mcconnell politically is not someone that i get along with but all the sympathy as a human being but then you do have to consider if this is as it likely has to be representative of a larger underlying health problem he needs to act accordingly and that is really tough to say because we do have sympathy as human beings no matter who it is and seeing something like that is really concerning but 
he also does have a duty to the American people to both be transparent as to what's going on there. And also, if this is getting in the way of him doing his job properly, like I said, act accordingly. Here was him getting asked about this later on. Could you address what happened here at the start of the press conference? And was it related to your injury from earlier this year where you suffered a concussion? Is that... No, well, I'm fine. You're fine, you're fully able to yeah. do your job? Mr. Lear, can I just get you address? He said, fine, didn't address it, which I get. It feels private. It feels it could be embarrassing and you don't want to talk about it. But when you are a lawmaker, a public official, you do have that duty when something that publicly is is witnessed by the American people. Then here's a little bit more of him getting asked uh, in a hallway. Well, the president called to check on me. I told him I got sandbagged. Oh, nice. How are you feeling now, sir? Uh, How are you feeling now? I'm fine. Have you seen a doctor? Are you going to Any see a doctor? Any idea what happened? Huh? Any idea what happened? I'm fine. That's the important part. <laughs> he just said he got sandbagged, I think was the word that he used, and he is fine. And we're also getting reporting from NBC News, and none of this is to do anything other than highlight the importance of him being capable for the job and to recognize a pretty stunning moment like this. But I have a hard, not, a hard time not repeating that all the sympathy in the world is underlying my points here. Just again, even though y'all know my feelings about Mitch McConnell as a human being. Uh, Mitch McConnell fell recently at a DC airport, apparently as well, before his news conference frees up. And then it talks about how he tripped forward and someone called it a face plant after getting off of a plane somewhat recently. This was before that freeze up. And so people are just speculating because that's all we can do because we're not really getting answers from Mitch McConnell. But hopefully he is doing okay health-wise and hopefully he will be more transparent about what went on there. This is super interesting. I have some Reporting here for you from CNN that has uncovered a part of the federal investigation into Trump's attempts to overturn the 2020 election uncovered information about this White House meeting that went on. And it was in February of 2020. And it was Trump being briefed on the security of our election systems and even being told that recent changes had been made to improve the security of our election systems. And Trump in 2020 February, though, before the 2020 election, was so impressed by what he was hearing that he wanted to go and brag at a press conference. This didn't end up happening, but he wanted to uh, about how secure our elections are. Well, a few months later, he's lying about the security of our elections, saying that they're unsecure and fraud's happening and all of that, when he very well knew that was not the case. And this is important just for the public to know and also for this investigation to prove that indeed Trump was lying to justify keeping himself in power. He didn't actually believe the things that he was saying about the election being stolen. So take a look at this. Super, super interesting. The revelation of this meeting comes as the investigation appears to be in its final stages with the D.C. grand jury scheduled to meet this week. So let's bring in the team with the exclusive reporting, CNN's Sean Lingus and Evan Perez. Sean, let's start with you. What happened at this February 2020 meeting? Bianna, there was a lot that happened. Uh, I mean, it was, a, it was an election security briefing. Uh, U.S. officials walked through the ways in which uh, the election system was secure um, in telling Trump about 
uh, mail-in ballots, uh, security audits for, for voting, and a, a range of, of, of ways in which the election would be protected. Uh, and, and Trump, uh, according to our sources, even suggested uh, he was so impressed by the work done to secure the elections that he even suggested doing a press conference uh, where he could take credit for that work. Uh, so this is, as you say, a contrast to what he was saying just weeks later, um, where he ramped up. So he's so impressed, he wants to go take credit for it. And they're telling him, even with mail-in voting, all these different steps that are in place to secure our elections and why we really don't have a problem with uh, notable fraud. There are instances, as is the case with all elections, of individual people committing fraud, but it's not a widespread issue and it doesn't influence elections. And it's so good that Trump was wanting to again take credit for that. Well, then a few months later, after he realized he might lose to Joe Biden, and especially once he did lose to Joe Biden, he was saying this. The mail ballots, they cheat, okay? People cheat. And actually, we'll start this from the beginning. This is from April. So just a month after wanting to take credit for the security of our elections, he's ready to lie about them because he starts to realize it's not looking so hot. The mail ballots, they cheat, okay? People cheat. Mail ballots are a very dangerous thing for this country because they're cheaters. They go and collect them. They're fraudulent in many cases. Wow. Pretty dang stunning and he knew i think sometimes it's speculated is he so delusional that he's able to convince himself into his own lies i don't even know how the psychology of that would work but he knew as the law should be able to reasonably um, or when understanding how this applies to the laws that he may be charged for violating it's clear that he was presented with a proper amount of evidence to know the things he was saying were lies. And he was told by people after the election, his inner circle, we can't prove it, William Barr, there are not widespread voter fraud. And he knew it to be the case. And then he went on and on and on. Because I'll say it again, he was too much of a snowflake to accept that he lost a free and fair election to Joe Biden. That's it. And because of his sensitive and, uh, <laughs> of course, I'm using language that's off, often levied at liberals, snowflakey personality and heart he wasn't able to respect our democratic process. And also he had an ambition to continue being in power and that was more important to him than respecting our democratic process, which is pretty disgusting for the president of the United States to act that way. And he should be held accountable for it legally. Let's talk a little bit about the GOP conversation of impeaching Biden that's now ramped up. A Republican congressman, Republican Congressman Ken Buck has for a moment during a recent interview snapped into reality and is calling out his own party for using this whole let's impeach Biden over something we haven't been able to prove conversation is, and he wouldn't admit this, but very much like much of what the GOP is up to, a distraction from more important issues. Now, Ken Buck is not someone I respect as a lawmaker, a politician, we disagree on so many things and uh, would not get along politically whatsoever. But here he is accurately recognizing this to be a distraction from his own party, from other things he wishes they would be up to. Now, even that has to do with spending and he and I would disagree profoundly on spending policy, but it's really interesting to hear him call this out about his own party. Take a look. 
Why do you believe that Speaker McCarthy in the last 24, 36 hours has begun to lean more into the no notion of opening an impeachment inquiry? Well, this is impeachment theater. We right now are starting the appropriations process and there is not a consensus on the Republican side about what the numbers should be. Kevin McCarthy promised when he was running for Speaker uh, one set of numbers and then he uh, made an agreement with President Biden for the debt ceiling increase on another set of numbers. So right now he has got to convince the public that he's credible and that Republicans have a duty to follow him. Um, the, 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 the party itself uh, is not in agreement and we're going to have some real trouble passing appropriations bills. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. It sounds like you're saying that the speaker is talking about impeachment to try to distract conservatives like you from spending bills that you don't like? Well, not just me, but the public. Uh, what, what he's doing is he's saying there's a shiny object over here and we're really going to focus on And we'll get to the fact that, yes, but what you're saying is what your party does all the time because of your unpopular policies. But on that, We just need to get all these things done so that we can focus on the shiny object. Um, most of us are concerned about spending. It's a, it is an existential threat to this country. And so we want to move. If you're concerned about fiscal responsibility, I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. If you want a better economy based on the data over the last hundred years and in recent memory, better policies when it comes to their effect on debt and deficits, vote Democrats in. Ken Buck, you should be rallying for Democrats to get more power if you want more fiscally responsible policies. Move forward with the spending bills in a responsible way. Do you believe there is any reason why the House Republican majority should open an inquiry right now other than politics? I don't think it's responsible for us to talk about impeachment. When you start raising the I word, uh, it, it, it sends a message to the public and it sets expectations. I do think that what's going on in the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee uh, is absolutely fair and is part of our responsibility. And he's back. <laughs> he snapped away from reality. Oversight is a part of the responsibility of Congress. But this type of oversight is just political theater. And he called that out. He said, when it comes to impeachment, he said, quote, this is impeachment theater, which it is. But most of what you're up to, Ken Buck, maybe he thinks he authentically has policy positions that would be good. But often with the culture wars, the fight back against wokeness and all of it is political theater. Right now you're seeing impeachment theory, uh, theory, theater, which is a part of political theater that the GOP is up to constantly. And I wish he would recognize that as he's calling it out in this case. But then I think what he wants is for Kevin McCarthy to do even more, get even more concessions than he got during the debt ceiling increases. That's definitely what Kim Buck wants and get some massive cuts in spending to crucial programs. And that would be horrible. And so his uh, preference as to how the GOP spends their time also would be bad. But it's correct and notable to have someone within the GOP saying, this is kind of just a distraction. And I think it could be the case that Kevin McCarthy is choosing now for this particular distraction because he knows the far right of his party wants some massive concessions in these current 2024 fiscal year uh, policy uh, appropriations and, and budget talks. And they might be a little distracted from an impeachment debate, an impeachment build up to that, and then the whole kind of 
debacle that that creates could take up all of the oxygen where the far right the house freedom caucus focuses more on that and less on these massive uh, cuts to crucial programs and massive assaults on crucial policies that democrats have implemented over the course of recent years but there it is ken buck calling out kevin mccarthy and his own party staying on the subject of impeachment uh this bogus conversation from the gop about impeaching president biden over accusations that they haven't been able to substantiate this bribery scheme that as we learn more and more we see this narrative fall apart further that the GOP has been bringing against Biden, James Comer leading the charge on this. I have another moment, uh, one of these situations where Steve Ducey in a rare situation on this network actually says some facts and his co-hosts get uncomfortable. And you can definitely imagine the Fox News viewers are getting uncomfortable. And here he calls out, all right, they're talking about impeachment and they have all these stories, but they don't exactly have the evidence and actually as we've gotten some evidence it seems to directly contradict the narrative they've been telling about biden so with that being said here is steve ducey speaking a little bit of truth which is not something that's common on fox news kevin mccarthy has brought up the the i word the impeachment question uh and he's calling it an inquiry this is what he had to say and the reasons why they're considering this watch You've got IRS whistleblowers saying something when it comes to government treating the Bidens different. You've got an informant claiming that the Biden family had been bribed. Should you ignore that or should investigate that? The only way you can investigate that is through an impeachment inquiry so the committee would have the power to get all the documents that they would need. So what an impeachment inquiry does, it gives us the apex of the power of Congress for Republicans and Democrats to gather the information that they need. So it's not an impeachment. It is to get all the information. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to inquire. Is there But you've been trying to gather the information, spending so much money and resources. James Comer's whole job now has been trying to uncover damning evidence against Biden. And it's been falling apart. The things he listed there, we've gone through it specifically, I've said before, every single segment, I can't go through the whole list of fact checks. It would make every segment too long, but it's all just uh, accusations that don't hold any weight. And now you need to investigate even more to try to prove something you're not gonna prove. There is this an impeachable offense? Grace, we've we've seen this movie a, a couple of times before. First step, impeachment inquiry. Almost always, it leads to an impeachment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've heard from members of Congress on the Republican side; they are going to they're they're going to do the I word uh, of Joe Biden. That guy right there doesn't look too happy in that picture. Uh, and they're going to use the ten twenty three. Guys, we can just say impeachment. We don't have to say the I word. Let's be naughty and just say it, impeachment. Form ...as the basis for everything. Here's the problem, uh, and we'll talk to Miranda Devine about this here in about a half an hour, is the 1023 form makes a damning case against mm -hmm. the Bidens, but it's completely unverified. And in fact, there are certain critical parts of the story that have been refuted by the people in the story. So, yep. so it, it, it's problematic, but, and so that's why Kevin McCarthy says we need other stuff. Not to mention, Correct what Steve Ducey said there, but 
Not to mention the fact that one of the guys, the Giuliani crony, this is under-discussed for sure, kind of when this conversation comes up, Lev Parnas, who was trying to find during the Trump administration dirt on Biden for the upcoming presidential election because Trump was expecting Biden to be his opponent. And Giuliani had Lev Parnas go and try to find and prove these same accusations, these same bribery accusations. And Lev Parnas wrote a letter to James Comer saying, I looked into it a lot. It's a wild goose chase. You're not going to be able to prove it. There's not evidence for these things. And yet still they're going to talk about an impeachment inquiry, which is correct. Most, most, most likely that'll lead to a vote on impeaching and proceedings and all of that. Interesting point on this I saw on CNN here. There not being a smoking gun in any case, I've still not seen a smoking gun on this case. I think there are legitimate questions about where Hunter Biden was getting his money from. Clearly, he was only getting his money because his last name was Biden. But what's been missing is that definitive link to the president, to, the, to the, his father. And, you know, I think it's an interesting political question. For, you both are the political experts. But how does that play to open an impeachment inquiry and potentially impeach this guy yeah, at I, this point? I'm not sure. I, I mean, I want to follow that same train of thought here. I, I'm not sure where Joe Biden falls in any of this. And I think most of America's like, what are we doing? Are you impeaching Hunter Biden? <laughs> I love that line. Exactly. I mean, this is that that appears to be decently asinine. And I believe with you can't out of one side of your mouth. Right. Make an economic argument saying inflation is high, uh, unemployment or whatever other argument, because Bidenomics actually, I, I believe, is working in, in a certain aspect of life. But you can't make that same argument and then spend the majority of your time on an impeachment inquiry where an election is on the line. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, it exactly right. You might remember it. it feels so unheard of, but in the buildup to the 2022 midterms, Republicans were saying, we're going to focus on economic issues and solve kitchen table issues. And Kevin McCarthy had that pamphlet he was handing out that the road map to something or another, uh, changing course, whatever it was. And he was going to really address issues and lower costs for Americans. And then all they've been up to is culture war nonsense and saying that CRT is being taught in schools and the woke monster is going to eat your child. And uh, we need to investigate Biden left, right, sideways, forwards and backwards. And it really contradicts what they say. Sometimes when elections come around, they care about because unless you really did have a smoking gun, then it's a different conversation because you want oversight and accountability. But as long as you don't, what have you done for Americans? What have you done for your own constituents? Very little. We'll end the discussion about impeachment on Biden getting asked about it and a simple little smirk. That's it. And by the way, if you keep up with, as I have to do too much for this show, conservative media, right-wing media, those moments drive them nuts. Whenever he just smiles about a question, especially when it has to do with Hunter Biden, and they'll analyze his smile. What is he saying? Why is he smiling like that? It's serious. Ah! And then Biden just smiles and puts on the glasses or something, the sunglasses. Wild situation we are in. One other Fox and Friends moment I wanted to discuss is representative of the panic from some of those that want some conservative Republican to fill the GOP besides Trump, to have control over the GOP besides Trump. And that's why Fox News pushed DeSantis for a long time. But now DeSantis' campaign is, and so Trump is 
clearly going to be the nominee. And we're seeing a little bit of panic within certain hosts on certain networks that are still very, very right wing, but they just don't want Trump with the baggage, as they'll say. And they want someone like DeSantis instead. But now that he's not doing so well, Steve Ducey is pitching someone else. Well, what about Glenn Youngkin? One of the things that's going on right now, we were telling people yesterday about how over the weekend out in Deer Valley at the Stein Erickson Lodge, uh, all of the big mega donors for Ron DeSantis got together and they, they're trying to tweak the campaign because he's kind of stalled out in the polls. Well, now there's a story out about, and we touched on this briefly a little while ago, about how governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin, mm -hmm. uh, has a record high approval rating yeah. in the Commonwealth of Virginia. A lot of people like what he's doing out there. And so ultimately, you look at a Republican governor in a purple state for the most part, and you're thinking, I wonder if that guy could possibly run for president. You know, doesn't have to get in right now. Nobody's in a hurry. Uh, yeah. Governor of Virginia, Glenn Youngkin. It's just the monster they've created. You're not, I really don't think you're going to be able to throw someone in unless you have the most strategic, perfectly crafted, best funded campaign ever. The, in this moment with the way the GOP has been taken over by Trumpism and MAGA and all these dangerous ideologies, you're going to be able to get a more traditional-ish, even though Glenn Youngkin's not someone that I have any respect for, uh, Republican. You're not going to be able to get someone like that to be successful in this current Republican Party. That's just the reality. And that's why DeSantis was good for a second to these people, not to me, but to the people who want to change, but like the Trump sort of thing, because he is super kind of a Trump 2.0 radical far right. But his campaign has just been a disaster, as we've covered. So here on that subject is the polling. You can see DeSantis for a while has consistently just been dipping. He peaked at uh, way higher a long time ago. But as of the recent downturn, he was up at 23-ish percent in the uh, percent in the average of polls from 538, and now he's all the way down at 15 in the average of polls, 15.5 percent of uh, the percentage points there, which is pretty unfortunate for his campaign. I've said it before, I'm perfectly great and am enjoying watching his campaign fail. Not because I want Trump to be the nominee, but I also don't want to say it's just because he is putting forward a really dangerous ideology and running such a bad campaign. So in some situation to see it being unsuccessful is really good uh, to see, even though that's going to mean that we're left with Trump very, very dangerous, as well as the nominee within the GOP. We will end it there. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will be back on Tuesday.